everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Anything But Typical podcast. This one will be a lot of fun, like they always are, because we've got Wilton Rogers the third. Correct? Yeah. yeah. That is correct. That's correct. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, this is going to be fun because Wilton and I met in a LinkedIn kind of a roundtable group. And he's an entrepreneur. You're going to hear a lot about his story. But before we do, we're going to start with that heartbeat question. So he was an athlete in high school and college. And uh, he, he didn't just hang everything up at that point. So now what he's doing is he's coaching. <laughs> he's coaching yes, his yes. kids. And so here's the deal. You're, you're, you're getting the, the backpack of all your supplies for your team. You're pulling it out of the back of your SUV. I'm assuming you got one <laughs> with kids and all yes, that. Absolutely. So you're you're getting all your equipment out. Somebody sees you and they go, Oh, that's Hil Wilton Rogers. And they start talking about you, not realizing that you can overhear everything that they're saying about you. What would you want somebody to say about you, Wilton? That's a great question. You know, um, I think I would like to, to, you know, people to to say like, you know, that I'm a real humble and and very honest, you know, guy. What you see is what you get, um, and I'm just, uh, I, I just, I love life. You know, I love being around people. I love making people smile. My my goal is to really, you know, be around people, make them smile. So if I can, they say, hey, if you're around him, you're gonna see some good energy. He's gonna make you smile. That'll be that'll be. I would love to hear that. Well, you do. <laughs> and yeah, it's been you. fun to actually meet you off of the platform of LinkedIn in the conversations that we've had ongoing because we're going to have you do some work for us at BGW. But before we get into any of that, Ben, take it away. Yeah, so we're going to dive into a lot of the specifics of what you've done uh, in the past. So I'm going to leave it as Wilton's a serial entrepreneur, and he's currently the founder and CEO of Simply Automate. Um, but I want to go even further back of why did you get into entrepreneurship? What was the draw or the appeal for you? Oh, man, I love that question. I love that question. Well, I'm... I'm, I'm uh... I've been an entrepreneur mindset for over about 45 years. Uh, that takes you back. Okay. I'm basically, I'm, I'm 53 years old. So when I was, when I was seven, eight years old, uh, I lived on a farm. I lived in, in, in New Mexico, in Northern New Mexico in the mountains. So I was raised on a farm. So we had the cows, the chickens, the horses, the pigs, all of it, right? We had a full, full farm. And my responsibility was to take care of the cattle and take care of the chickens. So I started off with like five chickens and we used to feed the, you know, get the eggs and all that. And then um, as I started, you know, my uncle had a had some these little chicks. He's like, hey, do you want these chicks? I said, sure. So I thought he was gonna bring me like four or five of them. <clears throat> he brought me like 40 chicks. <laughs> and uh but he says you have to keep them under the light, you have to keep them warm. They're gonna if you don't so he had to show me how to do all that. Long story short, they grew up and and they start, you know, just we have eggs for days. And <laughs> so I was trying to figure out what to do with these eggs. And uh and uh my mom says, Well, why don't you just take them and give them away? Good, you know, or sell them. I said, Okay, I'll sell them. I said, Well, where can I sell them? She goes, Well, sell them to church, go to the church. Well, after church, well, you know, I have all asked of my friends that want to buy some eggs from you instead of buy them at the store. I said, okay. So I was eight years old and went to church. And after church, my mom always talked to her, her friends. So I started walking around and said, hey, I have a bunch of eggs. Can I bring you a dozen next week? Can I bring you a dozen next week? All of them started saying yes, right? They were going to tell me no. And they said, I'll do it for 25 cents or whatever the case may be, right? And uh, they were all, absolutely. So the next week I started, I, I literally... Uh, probably took about five, six dozen eggs to church and I sold them to all my mom's friends and they made like $2 and I was happy. <laughs> but was what, what was the, what really stuck out at me is to when I saw the happiness that they had when I gave them a dozen eggs and I said, here's your eggs. Like, oh, thank you so much. They were just so happy. And I just felt that like love, like, whoa, this is awesome. I want to do it again. 
I want to do it again. I want to do it again. So I start raising chickens. I start selling eggs. And that's sort of like, so for, so my eighth grade to I was, from my eight-year-old till I was 12 years old, I would go and I just sell eggs. It went from selling at the church to selling them on the weekends. And I would sell dozens and dozens of eggs. And uh, so, but what was, what was nice about it, my entrepreneur started there because I saw the joy people got when you were able to give them something they needed and, and, and they loved, right? And that's what we're really like, oh, I want to, I love this. And that's what my, I said, I want to grow a business like this. And I want to do this forever. My dad's like, well, you have to go to school. You have to do this. You have to, you know, start putting in the right places of what we did, what I need to do. But I never fell out of that love for, for being an entrepreneur. And as I started getting older, I started realizing that, you know, I had to work somewhere first, get that, get that knowledge. But I can, they got to a point where I knew my, my entrepreneur mindset and heart was like, I got to go. I got to leave and do something else. I got to do, but <laughs> I would do whatever industry I was in. I would take what I learned from that industry, build the name for myself within that industry and then go on my own. So I've been, this is my sixth business in five different industries, but I've always worked for in the industry before I started my own company. So I learned that way. And so that was sort of my my drive. So it started at a very young age. So I've probably been an entrepreneur for about 45 years now. <laughs> That's Isn't that such interesting? A great, yeah, <laughs> such a great eight years old story of, well, you got some extra eggs, might as well take them to church and sell. <laughs> um, yeah. Did you have exposure to business owners when you were younger? Or was it the encouragement of your, your parents to, to let you just go try something? Yeah, great question. Well, I had, I had exposure. My my uncle, my uncle Carlos, rest in peace. He passed away a couple of years ago, um, but uh, he owned he owned a shoe store. I used to live in a small in a small town, and then about thirty minutes away was a little bigger city. We used to call Little Las Vegas, Las Vegas, New Mexico. I used to live in a, call, a place called Mora, New Mexico, which is thirty miles north of there in the mountains. Well, my cousins and my uncle and my my, my other family members lived in Las Vegas. So we would go to school there. We would always, you know, go to town there to get our groceries or what have you. And I would always spend time at his shoe store. And I would learn how, you know, I would see how him and my my grandma used to work there. And I would just sit down there and look at them and see how they would interact with clients, with customers that come in. And I was like, oh, how did they, oh, they like, they like that shoe. Why did they like, you know, I asked him, why did they like that shoe and not that shoe? And he, he would tell me, you know, well, this person's, you know, I said, that should look way better. He goes, yeah, but it didn't like, they didn't like it because it didn't feel right in their foot. They wanted something that really, because they walked a lot, they did that. And I said, oh, so he started taught me how to really understand how to talk to people. Not what they, it's not what they look, what they look, you know, what, what you see, it's what, how, what they need. And so yeah. he taught me that growing up. So when I was growing up, I was able to get exposed at that. And I was asking questions. So on the summers, I was asking them, hey, can I help you? And I would help for free. I was just, you know, come in there and just ask, hey, what are you looking for? And they would just tell them what they're looking for. And, and I said, what do you, why do you want this shoe? Why do you, what are you looking to do? And I started asking these questions, so I understanding how to do that. And then, um, you know, I it, it came to a point where I was out selling his employees and I was working for free. So, so he was, he started, you know, said, okay, you know, why don't you give a little bit of money here, but here and there. But I was doing it because he taught me really how to understand people like what are they looking for what do they need and and i took that into everything that i pretty much did so i was blessed to have have him expose me to that at a young age so i understand that i want to have the business mindset but being able to do that and then i have my parents that were very heavy on education get that degree and get it going more you're not going to get doing do anything so i was blessed to have that you know that circle of people mm -hmm. around me but yeah mm -hmm. i was very i was exposed to the business life and how to do it at a young age Gary, you know what what catches my ears of that story, and it's the consistency we've heard on this podcast is the voracious curiosity, right? How yeah. many people are going to go into a shop, yeah. watch somebody interact with clients <clears throat> and customers, and then ask follow up questions of of why and how? And, and Will and I think that's that's unbelievable how unique of a a trait that is, what you were willing and probably excited to go do and learn when most people wouldn't have spent any time going and doing that. Yeah, that's great. I'm glad you brought that up because at that age, for me, it was fun. 
it wasn't like, you know, as I got older, went to business, it's like, these are the things you have to do. I was like, I've been doing that since I was, it just came natural. <laughs> and my professor told me the reason why it came natural to you because you loved it, because you want to learn yeah. more. And when you love something, you're going to ask questions over and over and over. You want the answers and figure out how you can improve on it. He goes, so it was natural to you. A lot of people aren't, aren't born into the business, aren't, born, aren't naturally born into it. They have to learn it. And it's something that you just sort of did at a young age. So, you mm. know, for me, you know, being able to have that love. But I think just literally walking, seeing somebody new, when like, I have no idea who you are or what you do. But by the end of the time you leave here, I'm going to know all about you. And I'm gonna, when I see you in the streets, you know, uh, next week or whatever, on the store next week, I'm going to be able to say, oh, yeah, how's the shoes feeling? How's this doing? How's that doing? I'm going to be able to have a conversation with you because I'm going to know your story. So you had mentioned a, a couple questions ago, you had mentioned the different industries. And it's one of the things that's unique about your story. It's why I left the intro pretty broad, right? I'll just say serial entrepreneur because I want to get into it here. <laughs> You were in news production, you were in the mortgage world, you were in the fitness and gym industry, uh, you're doing the automation stuff. Now, you have such a wide variety of industries. I'm really curious on a couple of things here. First thing that I want to ask on that is why the bouncing around from industry to industry? What, what was it that brought you from what you were doing in the news production space into the mortgage space or then into the fitness industry? What brought you to the next thing? Uh, great question. You know, I think deep down, um, I got to a point where I felt like I, I couldn't grow anymore, whether it was mm. with the company or myself, or someone else can do it better than me, growing it bigger than me, because of of their background or their financial. You know, because I, I was always I've, I've always bootstrapped my companies. I was I never, you know, borrowed money or did anything like that to to or, or get an investor. Until recently, but uh, you know, at a younger age, I never did that, right? So um, I think me being able to find out what I like, because I went to school, I went to school for business, but I also went to, I had a major, my major was in communication. And so I, at, when I was in college, I used to have a production company. So I used to do wedding videos and commercials for locals when I was still in college. And then I fell in love with that. So I started working at the TV station, became a news director at the TV station. And then from that, from there, you know, I got to a point where I knew I wasn't going to grow anymore and I wasn't going to advance anymore. And, uh, the, you know, I was just like, this is pretty much it. And there was, I wasn't going to go back into, into develop, into, into production. So I was like, what else is there out there? And then cell phones started getting popular back then. You know, this is back in the early nineties, um, when cell phones were getting started real, becoming real popular. I was like, oh, this is starting to take off. So I started working for a company and I started understanding how to do self, you know, do cell phones. And then after about a year working with them, I went on my own and did my own and, and I did that and I sold that. And I was like, oh, I can sell a company and make some money out of this. Okay, now what I want to do now? I don't want to be in the same industry and compete against them. So what am I going to do now? You know, so that's sort of the way I sort of saw it. <clears throat> and then um after that I wanted to like mortgages. <clears throat> And, and I was doing fine. I didn't think I was going to leave that mortgage when I had my mortgage company. I didn't think I was going to leave. But in 2008, when everything hit, I I, I lost everything. I literally mm -hmm. lost everything. Um, and uh, at that point, I was like, okay, what am I going to do? You know, I literally, I mean, I, at that point, literally, when we get when 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 the, when when it hit, I just went into a partner, went with a partner to buy a bunch of land and put down payment on the land and did all kinds of stuff and. We were doing mortgages and we were getting ready to build more houses on there. And then boom, we couldn't, we we didn't have all these different uh, type of uh, loan opportunities anymore out there that were available to us, you know. And it was like, you can't do that anymore. You can't do that. I was like, oh, oh. so long story short, we lost everything and I started over. And um, I was, uh, this is, it, it got to a point where I literally, I had a, I had a, a truck. And I had, I had two vehicles. I had a truck and I had a utility vehicle. And I had all my stuff. They were getting ready to to foreclose on my house. And I stayed there for like six months or whatever it was. And uh, they told me that they're going to come in. Police are going to come in and the sheriff's going to come in and lock me out and everything else. So packed up all my things. And uh, I, I didn't know what to do. I was 
the lowest point of my life at that point and mm -hmm. um and packed all my stuff up and I was living in my my truck and in uh in my utility vehicle uh for about two weeks at the time I I was like I'm just gonna I gotta get a part-time job at least to put food on the table so I started working at a fitness studio and I mm. started I was literally checking in people I got a part-time job checking in people and every time but you know at that age these young kids were I want off. I don't want to work on weekends. I don't want to do that. I'll take yours. I'll take yours. I'll take yours. I'll take yours. So, you know, they had to find tell me, hey, you can't, you're working more than you're part-time, you work more than 40 hours a week. You can't be doing that. So, you know, I was just taking as many hours as I possibly could at that time. But the whole time I was again, I was starting to learn how to do, you know, what they do. And I was like, I want to be a fitness instructor. And I don't, I don't want to be a, a trainer, I want to be a fitness instructor and train and teaching these classes. They had the big classes on a stage, teaching people. So I went to the classes and taught that. And then um, I became an international instructor. I started training people all over the United States. And it's called Less Mills. I used to do what's called body pump and body combat and these different, you know, the, the, and uh, and I, I teach people how to do that. And so I learned how to do that. And once I learned how to do that, um, I got to a point in the, in the company where, um, you know, I wasn't, it was more political. It was just, it just and it, it, it wasn't just a good fit for me. I didn't. People were great, but you can find good people anywhere. But the people you work with, you have to be comfortable with. And, you, and, and so mm -hmm. I was just like, no, this is this is not what I want to do. So a couple of partners yeah. and I uh, opened up our own place and uh, grew it for a while. And that's sort of when I saw Gary's story. I was like, oh, that's where him and I sort of clicked because I had a bad partnership and I yeah. lost a lot, lost a lot. But um, able to get back on my feet just because of the experience of understanding losing that before and figuring out and get 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 to where I need to get to. Um, so uh, so yeah, those are those sort of the reason why I bounced around in different industries. So it wasn't necessarily something I, I was looking to do, but it came to yeah. a point where I was I was forced out, or I just knew I couldn't give any more, or the and the people that I was around didn't feel that it was just toxic, or was in the atmosphere I wanted to be part of anymore. Yeah. I I love your story and I had no idea. But the one thing that kind of drew me to you through this LinkedIn group was just reading kind of your humility and authenticity in your writing. And um and and it, the common denominator was just a passion for people and serving people. <clears throat> Even though you're in the automation business of, you know, using uh, computers and artificial intelligence, if you will, to basically automate processes. So it's, it's not artificial intelligence as much as it is repeating processes that a human was doing. So you can redeploy the human into stuff that's more meaningful and less repetitious. So, and it's, it's a beautiful thing, but I just thought, wow, but, you know, think about that, Ben, even like how many people have we had on here <laughs> that have, have seen success? Oh, I've seen highs and I've seen lows. <laughs> and, <laughs> and But you just keep bouncing back up because it's part of what you were taught and what you were trained to do. You, you know, Ben had farm background. I did, too. You did too. A whole a lot of people, there's something about like nothing's handed to you on a farm other than a bucket and right. a shovel. Yeah, you know? Right. You exactly. learn work ethic real quick on a farm. Real quick. Real quick. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Absolutely. You know, and I think that that's definitely helped me out being able to do that, you know, that that work ethic at a young age. It just became that it's something that you 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 did. You didn't complain about it. It was just part of what you did, right? It's like that was like a you get up every morning, you do what you do all your chores, you get up, come home, you do all your chores, you go up, you get wood, you do whatever you need to do. It was just part of it, right? And then when you, you learn when you learn at that age, that's why I just think, you know, farm when raising being up raising a farm allows you to be able to be a better leader and a better, better uh entrepreneur because that work ethic doesn't go away. You're not it's not materialistic stuff that you're looking at. It's just hard work. Mm-hmm. One thing that I hear in your story and just in how you tell your story or something that I don't hear, I should say, is I don't hear bitterness. I don't hear victimhood. Oh, you know, 
I mean, to lose your house and have the sheriff evict you from your own house and you got two vehicles and you got two weeks of living in a vehicle going, okay, now why? And then way below your pay grade. I mean, you were a collegiate athlete and you are a graduate of college. I can't say that, but you can. Um, and, you know, to go like and humble yourself. Hey, I'll check you in at the gym. But it didn't stop your longing for learning. And then even going through a betrayal, which, boy, you know, I definitely know that one. Um, it, You know, you, we have these choices at those moments. Are we going to be bitter or are we going to choose to forgive and be better? I mean, it's a binary choice, quite frankly. Can't, can't do both. Can't hold on to both, yeah. I don't think. And so, you know, talk to us about... especially the betrayal of like, oh man, I lost a lot of money and, you know, without naming names and all that kind of stuff. But what did you learn and, and what was that like from discovery or just that sense of betrayal to, all right, regrouping and then, then what? Yeah. Well, that's great. And well, first of all, the, the first part we talked about, uh, you know, bitterness is like at a young age i think i was um my faith um mm -hmm. was very strong and forgiveness was very easy um because if you if you don't you can't move forward a lot faster on your own you don't have to move you don't have to move on with them just forgive them and it's almost like forgive and forget you know i, I forgive you you're all good but you know i'm i'm looking this way where you're looking that way now right yeah um, so that's the way i sort of took it so i, I never really had any bitterness toward even even to the story i'm going to tell you right now um, in the fitness industry, um, it was, uh, you know, we, we grew this company. We opened it, we opened it up, um, right after it was two other partners. Um, we were very successful in what we did. I will, you know, I was more of the, um, of the group fitness instructor that it was more of the body weight type things and, yeah. and in a lot of type of, uh, uh, intervals type workouts and it grew a huge I mean, people were just burnt and they, they loved, loved my class. And the other one was more of a cardio guy. He knew all the cardios and all the stepping step and all that. And then our other partner, she was yoga, one of the best yoga instructors in New Mexico. <clears throat> so we opened up our own studio within, within a month and a half, we had over 300 members. Wow. And it just blew, it grew. It was like, oh, cause we had one location. We had, one one building we had to we had to purchase the other building we had to purchase another one we had to purchase all four of them right next to us because it grew that fast wow so, whoa so start growing and um the first year was just on fire we had over a thousand members and at that mm. point we, could just, we you know it was like we can't we could take some more members but a lot of them were just we had to book a you know a, a day ahead of time just to get into class and things like that because it was it was we were very popular in our area We've got a good reputation around there. <clears throat> and then little by little, um, I started seeing that a lot of, uh, um, um, you know, some of our employees come back and said, hey, well, when do we get paid? I said, well, you, you know, I was in, my partner was the marketing, sales and marketing. Yeah. And, uh, my other partner was doing, you know, was doing the operational part, they were doing the financial. And then um, they, some people come back and say, I didn't get paid. Was, and then they got paid. Some of the checks will bounce. Wow. And so I and I would go to the account and look at it and I would, you know, and try to figure out where we're missing, why why was why is this happening? And mm. this person was very good at I'll just say he has a, a Ivy League graduate a degree. So he's very smart. Wow. <laughs> and it just sort it sort of he, the the numbers just were looked good to me. I was like, I don't know what's happening here. But what got me mm. was um I just got married. And, uh, and, uh, and, and we're getting ready to go on our honeymoon. And all of a sudden I went to the bank to, you know, cause I had to deposit some checks from, from our business. And I, and I was, and I, at the time I was like, you know what, let me, let me see the, let me get access to my accounts. I had access to the account. Let me see the account. We had like three accounts there. They gave me access and, I, and they gave me access to five accounts. I was like, I didn't say anything. I said, well, these are the two accounts. I said, I don't know what these accounts are. 
and therefore Wow. being one and so being wired into the accounts and going out to another account and so you know question I, I took it question and that's sort of when i knew at that time before i even questioned i was like i already had an exit plan i was like okay if this is not something i'm, I'm going to be part of because Yeah. this is going to go way downhill and it's going downhill fast because i already saw the writing on the wall i already saw things bouncing without people getting paid late things just sort of happened i was like okay that's not gonna work um so um talked to my wife about it and what was happening confronted him denied it show proof at that point um out of the blue i said i'm out so it shocked everybody like it like people were like shocked in my classes and everybody and at that time um They, they didn't know why, because I didn't mention to them why. I was like, I just want out. Yeah. Just just give me my portion of what you owe me, and I'm out of here. And and so I think they were going to make payments over the time, over a period of time. I said, I'll stay hush fast. If nothing happens, I'm not going to go to court, no nothing. Just pay me, and you, I'm moving on. At that time, I already had found another studio spot, and I had already built my, 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 uh, my clientele to at least take them over with me, and I could at least make a living. Um, so I felt pretty comfortable on that. And then um, after about three months, no payments came in. Uh, stop, they stopped coming. Um, and I told them, hey, you know what's going on? I said, I'm going to take you to court. And so I started taking him to court. At that time, he starts, you know, throwing my name out there, saying it's me that's doing this, and I did this, Yeah. and Mm. I, and, and, and I'm the one that stole money and all this stuff. And you know, my wife's like, why don't you tell the truth? Why don't you tell him? I said, you know what? The truth is going to come out. I said, you know, Yeah. what he's what he's saying is short term. Short term. I said, what I'm going to do is, is for long, is, is for long term. And um, sure enough, um, you know, my other partner, she found out that she ended up leaving, and she found that she couldn't do it anymore. She ended up leaving, and the writing was on the wall. And then one day, the the um, the uh, they came in to everybody came in to for class. And everything was gone. All the equipment and everything was gone, like Wow. literally overnight. And so the news cat, the news, everybody's out there trying to figure out what was going on. They tried to interview me. I was like, hey, you know, I just, I just tell you, it was time for me to leave. You know, I wasn't into the partnership, so I pretty much didn't do anything. So Hera and I sued him together. Um, the day before we get ready to go to court, he filed bankruptcy came through. So Yep. we pretty much wiped that out. So I lost everything that we put into it. Um, Yep. and at that point I was, uh, wasn't mad. No, I, I was not mad. Um, I sort of blame myself for not being able to see a lot on, on the wall, but I was able to understand like, you know, that people, people, there's a lot of good people out there that, that knew who I was already. And the ones that thought, thought I was not doing the right thing came back with a lot of apologies. And every one of them, I, I, I was like, yeah, no problem. I, I understand your situation. You understand you were, you know, you were listening from from a, from different sides and getting information. Um, so I was never bitter towards that. But at that point, I kind of figured, okay, I need to be just more, more strategic on, on how I do business with people moving forward. Because um, as I get older, you can't take this this many hits too too much longer, Yeah, and, that's and right. continue surviving. So. Uh, So that 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 sort of built the the wall up for me to have partners at that time. Like, okay, do it yourself. Build it. Once it's built and proven, if you want to get rid of it, get rid of it and sell them move on. Um, so but but yeah, um that was that was hard. That was really hard because I had just gotten married. And at the time, you know, she she became the the breadwinner of the family, supporting everybody for a while. And being able to walk into a marriage with with that is like ouch you know Mm hmm yeah it's like uh, it's like i'm sorry you know i just lost everything but her support and, and what she believed is like you know is is why i'm is where i'm at today because of it because of her um but uh but yeah it was uh it was tough because it literally happened we found out before we went on our honeymoon and uh and then we you know i think i we found out right we came back from our honeymoon because this person was part of our wedding <laughs> he was part Wow. of the wedding yeah so um uh, we found out right we got back from the wedding from our honeymoon Mm. and that's when everything and it just really happened right after our honeymoon it went downhill from that point on 
And, uh, you know, we had to move in to move out of what we had to move in, downside the home, downside the car, it's not downside everything, uh, to sort mm-hmm. of put food on the table for a while. But uh, but never bitter. So I, was, I always just knew that um, eventually, as long as I stay locked in and stay focused, um, that we're gonna we're gonna get out of it. And I, and I knew if I work for somebody that I can I can move up a company real fast because I just knew the work ethic. Like I kind of knew like you know I'll put my <laughs> time in. I'm gonna put my time in. What you guys do in a week, I'm gonna do in a day, and I'll show you how. You know, and uh, <laughs> and I, I just sort of had that drive and I had that motivation. And so I, I never was down on myself. Um, I was just more about like just get, let's just get back to work. What's gonna strap it back up tomorrow and let's go. Mm. you have all of these different stories, right? Where you've learned lessons along the way. Um, and I'm, I'm really curious. And I think one of them here, you've mentioned being work ethic, but what are some of the things that you've learned the, the principles now in running businesses that apply across industries? Cause you've learned some from so many different industries. And, and like I said, I think work ethic is clearly one of them, but what else, what are the things that translate industries for you? Yeah, great question. Yeah, obviously, yeah, of course, work ethic. But I think consistency. Um, and the reason why I say that is because um, you're going to fail so much. If you're if you own a business, you're going to fail. Um, but I fail so much now that I don't even know that they're, they're not even failures to me. They're just like, oops, move on. You know, it's <laughs> not even failure. But to someone else, that could be a total, <clears throat> you know, total downfall. So I think when you're consistent and you, and, you know, and, it's almost like you, you're you're rolling a tire down the down the street, right? It's going to hit a bunch of bumps, but it's still around. It's still going to run. It's still going to go. It might fall over, pick it back up, and roll to keep rolling, keep rolling. But if you just leave it there and don't move it, it's not going to go anywhere. So I kind of figure, like you know, if you're consistent, um, you're going to find your way through it. And I think you know, in the in the industry that I'm in now, um, that really helped me because I started I started an area where I I started this before anybody else was like really looking at the 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 industry I would say the industries the um the market that we we're looking at and um so I think it was consistency obviously hard work consistency but having the the mindset that you're gonna fail like there's no question about it and you're gonna you're gonna fail hard you're gonna have sleepless nights if you if you can wake up and if you can know that you're gonna you're gonna be have worry on your mind when you get up, you're gonna you're gonna go to sleep and think, oh, that worry is gonna be over when I wake up, and you know it's not gonna be over when I wake up. It's gonna probably be, you know, uh, enhanced a little bit because of it when you wake up because you have to get a little closer to it. Once you learn how to, how to to get yourself through that, that mindset through that, and you know it's gonna be a, a good ending if you're consistent, I, I think you're gonna be you'll be fine. Makes. One other thing that I heard in that, though, that you didn't mention was this notion of the joy of serving. You know, you, you care about your your people, you know, whether you're selling eggs, you know, or or, uh, you know, delivering a great class. You cared about your people. And that's one thing that I've noticed when we talked with you a year ago, and and it's taken us longer to actually implement for a number of reasons, but we are going to have you guys help us automate some of our systems uh, so that we can free up some people to do stuff that's less menial. But that was one thing that we heard from you guys too, which was like, hey, we're not just here to sell you something. We, we really want to partner with you and make your life easier. And there was a lot of listening that went on. So I would just yeah. add to your, like your, that question that Ben asked, that's so good. You know, yeah. I, too many people try to sell something. Yeah. You know, you know what? <clears throat> I forgot to share the story with you. I think, you know, I was in, the, I was in the fitness industry for about 10 years, but I made it the first two years that I was in the industry. No one knew who I was by the third year. My my class were packed. Like I was the only one in my gym that you had to, you had to uh, reserve it a day ahead. They didn't even have reservations a day ahead. People used to line up <laughs> in my class, and half of them couldn't get in. They're like, "Who is this guy?" Right? And 
what I what I realized when I was taking classes is that there was no education. It's like I was going through these classes, lift, turn here, do this, do this, and do lunges, do squats, do this. So to me, I was I would go in and I would ask people, you know, what's bothering you today? My back, what's bothering me today? My knee, what's bothering me today? My my ankle, whatever mm. the case may be. And so when I would go into class, I would speak to everybody. It's almost like when you go to you go to church and you hear a pastor talking, like he's talking to me. Mm -hmm. You know, I was like, he said that that you know that sermon was for me. What I would do is I go into this into my classes. And I would get get going. If you're warming up, there's a couple levels you want to do. If you're a beginner, you want to do this. Don't 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 work out too hard because you're gonna you're gonna hurt yourself. So I was educating the whole time. We're playing music and going through the going through the rhythm and going through the cadence and everything else. If you're doing squats, do it this way. If you if you're if you're new to it, don't go too far. Start here and then work your way down. I start educating. If you have a bad back, tuck in your core. Do this. Get chest out. Do you know start. So during the whole thing, I was educating them. So I have these ladies that have never been taking a class like mine. And they're like, it's, if, if you, um, I used to call my call, class pain. It used to be called pain, right? And that's what it was called. But it was it was more like, um, what's his name? Um, uh, they used to always call me uh, Shanti's classes. You know who Shanti is? Um, yeah. You know, um, Beachbody. Um, yeah. Those classes were just those type of insane classes. And my, but mine were somewhat like that, but I was on different levels. And I used to have, you know, 20 year olds taking my classes and 70 year olds taking my classes. And they all were able to get the, because it was all about education. It was all about, mm. they all enjoyed it at their level, but it was education. So anybody was, you saw my class, it was just different types of people all over. All over. And guys were probably taking group, they didn't have so many guys in the group fitness class, but it was education. And when you were educating people about it, it was, you know, it was like, okay, well, you're going to help them out. I took that same concept when it came into automation, when I got into this industry. I knew working in the automation industry and working at the at the, um, the executive level or actually the um, enterprise level, everybody, obviously everybody thought they knew what they knew. They, they knew everything, yeah. right? But when you get to the businesses that are smaller, when I say smaller, they're between like half a million, you know, 150 million or lower, there's still a lot of education that needs to go into place in order to understand how to fully take full advantage of automation. And so I realized that there wasn't a whole lot of education. It was more like, yeah, we can do it. Yeah, we'll do this. We'll do that. We'll take care of it. And it's like, no, why? You don't want to do that. You just, best way to do it is do this way. If you did, you give them the reason why. If you did this way, this is going to happen. But if you did this way, we can test it out this way and see if you like it this way. And if you like it that way, we'll continue this way. So it was always about education first. Because once you educate them right away, they start seeing identifying things on their own, right? Same thing in fitness. Like when you start educating them about how to do a squat, people had a you know bad back or bad knees or whatever the case may be, you tell them how to do the proper squat. They're not going to forget that. They're going to improve on that. They're going to learn how to do a better squat later. Same thing with automation. It's like once you show them how it's done the right way. Then you just save them years. Now, I'm not talking about days and months. You're gonna take them years of knowledge and education and trials and errors uh, and delays just by showing them the right way. Whether they're go with us or not, they could already have that conversation where they go with. It's like, hey, what about this? What about that? We have this conversation. So education has always been the top priority. Because once you educate somebody, um, you're you're not gonna they're not gonna forget you. They may not work with you, but they're not gonna forget you. It's like a teacher, right? I know my favorite teachers growing up, you know, and I know I got some, some, you know, some good value out of them. Same thing with us. It's like, you know what, let's be, let's be educators. And with education, you get opportunity. So I want to keep going down the automation route for a bit, because I think, I think we've got a, an opportunity to be extremely valuable to listeners and, and be able to have some tactical advice here. So Let's go real basic at first and just what does automation in a business mean to you? It, because everybody's going to have a different variation of what that means to them in a mind. So what does automation in business mean to you? Yeah, great question. Um, it means, yeah, you're right. It means something different to everybody, like everyone. I, I can't put two people together with the same meaning, meaning right? Um, automation to me means simplifying, simple, simplify what you're doing first. Don't change what you're doing. Just simplify it. That's why I made mm -hmm. the thing come to simply automate, right? 
It's like, what do you mean by that? Okay. Walk me through what you're doing first. Because there's different levels. And 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 I would and I'm putting out a book, which I'm, you know, it's not quite like yours, Gary, but it's a, it's gonna be it's it's a it's a it's an educational book, right? It's like the steps to automation to all the way to generative AI, because everybody's talking about generative AI right now. And it's like, wait a minute, have you done any automation? No. Well, why are you talking about that? Right? Mm -hmm. Because everybody else is talking about it. They're going to tell you to buy this. It's going to do great things for you. It's going to take away this. But you still are doing all this labor right here. But if you take away that labor part first and be able to put that, that time and effort into that labor and mindset, not only physically, mentally, but, but physically, mentally, but emotionally. Because of the emotions, you're stressful sometimes by doing all these different things, right? So automation to me means finding what you have right now and automating what you're capable of doing today. If you're able, anybody, anybody that is running a business, there's ways that there's things that you can automate. When you, when you add it all up, it may be five minutes here, 10 minutes here, 15 minutes here. When you add it all up, it may be an hour a day. What happens if you take five hours a day, a, a week away from you? Well, guess what? Now you'll be able to figure out how can I take 10 hours away from me, right? So the first thing to do for me is, is the first step is to simplify things by automating what you're currently doing. That's automation. And that'll allow you to focus on once you do that and you get past that, then you can look into intelligent automation. And what I mean by that is once you automate all these repetitive rule-based type tasks that you're currently doing, that you're spending money you know, you're paying someone to do. Once you auto, once you automate that, now you can focus on software on applications that are going to help you scale. So if you have a, if you have some software that you're just getting by because you know it works for you, but then there's other software here can help you scale. Whether it's scale twice as fast or ten times as fast, it doesn't matter. But it's going to help you scale. And the great thing about that is once you have automated all this down, this first step of automation this intelligent automation, there's no human in the loop because all you have to do is take the same logic that you have here, switch this application for this application to help you scale and get that logic and put it into this one. And all you got to do is test this one while this one's still running. And once it's running right, replace that one with the new one. Now you're ready to scale. Right. Mm -hmm. And then after, and then from that point, then you can start thinking about more generate AI is where you start thinking about other things that you can do because you want to take away the labor from your people first in order to use them to do more productive things. I never met a person go to school that wants to do that, that got a degree on being behind a computer doing repetitive work. You know, that, that's yeah. them, you know, they, they went, they went to school to be able to use their skills to do something more productive. Right. And when you do that, when you allow someone to do that within your company, you're going to, they're going to be more, they're going to feel more valued. They're going to see the benefits and, and they're going to have more opportunities to be able to be a visionary, to be, to be part of the growth. You know, they're going to be saying, Hey, I help this company grow. When you're behind a computer, it's like, I, I've never said, oh yeah, I help this company grow because I'm entering data all day. Right. No, you know, so those are things that we, we sort of, the steps that you need to take for as automation. So the first step is just simply out, Op, simply automate, which is, you know, uh, it's simply automate what you're currently doing. Find out what you're currently doing. All you have to do is have a have a conversation. You don't have to do it first. Have a conversation and see the benefits. Is it worth it? Am I going to save money? Am I going to save time? Am I going to allow that person to be able to do other productive things? If so, what am I going to help them do? You know, if you don't know what to do, we can sort of show you exactly what they can do because we've already helped companies like that, right? But for the most part, companies already know. They already want to hire for the front end of the company. It's like the best people to hire for the front end of the company are the people that are working on the back end of your company because they're the ones that have all the history and knowledge of what you're currently doing, right? So, so give us an example of, of, of a story. Uh, people always remember stories, right? Where somebody came to you and said, man, I don't know. You know, there's got to be a better way. And you guys came in, talk about the, the kind of systems or the kind of repetitive tasks that they were doing. And 
the before and after. Yeah. Well, great question. We're actually working with one now. We're just we're actually doing another process for them now. And it's a it's a I'll tell you this one, it's a retail. And this this guy I've been after, I was I was chasing him down for years. I was like, ah, we I did a process for him, a real small process for him years ago. Like when I first opened my company, I, it was a small process, it was like five years ago. Mm. Uh, and did a real small process, and he's like, Okay, we're good, we're good. And Kevin just like, no, no, we're we're good. Don't you know, we're good. And then um, one day that he was, you know, the the um, CFO was getting ready to, he gave his notice that he was mm. leaving, right? Mm. And they were they were getting ready to, they were thinking about um, acquiring some more locations. And they were they had issues. They had a lot of delays with the invoice the invoice processing, mm. and. Um, <clears throat> Basically, you know, he's like, well, can you help us, you know, automate this? He says, yeah, we can help you automate it, but we got to figure out what that looks like. Walk us through the process, right? He walked us through the whole process, just completely walked us through the process. All, we asked all the what ifs, what if this happens, what if this goes here, if that doesn't go, it has to go here. We found all the logic behind everything. Long story short, um, we were able to, to automate that you know, automate the whole invoice process, you know. By the time his CFO left and the new one came in, it was done. It was done. Wow. The new CFO, the new CFO came in and able to see what we were doing as they acquired the other locations. All they did was implement that straight into the system. And they all had different systems. They mm. all had different systems, right? And he simplified it. He's like, okay, well, all we got to do is put that software here, right? And we're able to get that. And so all we got to move that, those invoices over here. All you got to do is move those invoices over here. You don't have to move that software. Just move those invoices over here. You know, because they all came from different vendors from those different locations. They're all over the U.S. And sure enough, we were able to, to do it. And we just like, this would have taken us months to even think about doing, you know, high, and hiring extra, extra people just to do this, if we wanted to do this acquisition. And so we knew for a fact that, you know, he, he told us this was, this this made it so easy for us to be able to do the invoices from all of our new locations that quick. I've never seen it done that that quick before. You know, being in this industry, it was, it was just amazing to see that done. So I think that that story sticks out because he was able to take what we've already built currently for him and his new acquisitions, even though they all had using different vendors and having different invoices, because we already knew the logic and what they what we need to pull from those invoices, bring it right to say, all we gotta do is pull the same information, just a different look, just from a different part of that invoice and put it into the system. And it was just it was just smooth. So the transition was easy for him. And he goes, that, they would have had to hire somebody to go through each one of those to figure out how to do each one. And they didn't have to do that. He goes, so that saved them all hundreds and thousands of dollars, I would say, um, by doing that. And then um, now we're working, on, we're working on the one currently, and then we have another his billing process coming up after that. So, you know, it's now we're starting to see the benefits of starting with those processes that are are real repetitive first, because he doesn't want to grow, and he wants to synchronize and simplify and mirror all the locations. But in order to do that, he he's got to he's got to fix the he's got to fix all the all those little low hanging hanging fruits and all these repetitive type manual processes first that one sticks out because we know by the end of you know by the time we finish this process that we're doing for him currently and the billing process it's just going to save him hundreds and thousands of dollars and probably save hundreds of hours a week that he would do it definitely do manually across all those locations yeah that's good and then we also have one that is a uh, solopreneur we don't work with a whole lot of solopreneurs unless they're really data driven Accounting, accounting firms, right? We had one day that was doing all the returns, all the onboarding, everything, right? And the onboarding to new client took a while. The returns took a while, all the different things. We automated the onboarding. We automated the, the returns. It took all our time away to be able to do more things. And she was like, this oh, is... how cool. Definitely. Was, she was... It was Definitely worth my money. She was uh, happy to pay that every time. So, so yeah. 
That's, so that's saying that. something and, and, coming from an a, accounting firm <laughs> because they, you know, yeah. just saying. Yeah. yeah, that's true. That's true. yeah. So you know, we we really want I really want to see how how small we can go, like how you know, because we knew that working with clients that had five to ten employees and definitely more than that, we can we can find areas to automate. We knew that, but can we do it for a solopreneur? Mm. Can we do it for for one that have one or two clients? Can we do it? And and we found out to have help them grow, if we can eliminate the tax returns, eliminate the onboarding for them manually, then that's that's a big part of their, the chunk of their time that they were doing it. So we were able to do that. You had talked earlier about the first place to start is identify, right? What you're doing currently. Is there a specific process that when you're coming into a company, you have them do, or is it just a whole lot of open up word documents or notes and, and start jotting everything down and, and working through it? Yeah. Great question. You know, everybody that we talk to is, is different. They have different pain points, right? So for us to be able for them to really understand um, where to start, it's got to hit them in the heart. It's got to affect them or affect their, their their staff. So we go in there and figure out, you know, what are the easiest conversation with all Because I'm not a technical guy. I'm not a technical guy at all. Like, you know, our team is amazing. Um, they, if they tell me to, to try to automate something, I don't even know how to, where to start, you know, at all. But, you know, when you when I'm working with clients, I have, they have, to, I have to think that they have the same mindset, right? So when I talk to them, like, what keeps you up at night or what wakes you when you wake up in the morning, you're in the shower, you know what you have to do and get in, get into work. You know what, you know what you have to do and you know how to do it without even doing it. What are those? And they'll start naming them off. They'll start naming off. Well, my billing, my inventory management, my invoicing, my data extraction, you know, all these emails I got to send out to all these clients. They'll start naming all kinds of different things that they have to do, you know, that, that they know that they do over and over and over again. We start the conversation there. Whether that's the process we do or not, we don't know. But we start the conversation there because they'll have a better understanding of how automation works. That's the most important thing, getting to understand how automation works. So we don't go in there and say, okay, well, oh, you're doing more processing? Oh yeah, we could do, we could definitely automate that and start there. No, because it may not be a pain point for them. You know, we may automate it, like, oh, that's cool, thank you. We want to make sure that they feel it, that their their staff feels it. And it might be a process that five people do for five minutes a day, but they all hate it. Let's hit that. Let's do that because they hate it. They get the hate off their list. Like, oh, this is great. Oh, by the way, what else do you hate? Or now that you know how to, this is done, what could help you can identify other areas. So finding the areas that they, a pain point that they really want to get off their plate is, uh, or they really don't get tired of doing, or they'd rather hire somebody to do for them if they had a chance. Those are the areas to look into to automating first. I think that's really smart. You know, we we learned in Sandler sales training that, you know, people respond to pain. <laughs> you know, it, it's either pleasure or pain, but pain is a huge motivator because they want it to go away. You know, so yeah. what and they're going to be more willing to cooperate and move faster with you and even cough up the money that's required based on the level of pain that they're feeling. Yeah. 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 We have a, a county firm that we're working with and one lady we're working with, it, it was one of her pain points and all she did, she goes, I don't know what to tell you guys, but all I can say is thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Because this is something I've been thinking of. I've, I've been wondering how to do it for years. And all I can do is say thank you. There's no other word I can tell you, but thank you so wow. much. Wow. Everything to me. And that's it. That's it. That was, that's it. That was it. Right. So I think for us is, is being able to hit those areas where you know it's going to impact them because now they have that, they have that, they have extra weight off their shoulders. They can breathe a little bit easier. And when you can do that to somebody, and you can show what they can do, sky's the limit. Because not only can you help them more, but they're going to tell everybody else. They're yeah, going to tell everybody else, right. like, whoa, you know what? They, this is just a game changer. 
And well, how did you do it? Well, they walked me through this process. They had me understand it. And they, I don't have to sell anything. All I got to do is say, you know what? We'll walk through the same process we walked in her. It's very simple. We're not going to get technical with you. You know, we're going to be very, very simple with you. We're going to walk, walk you through exactly how to, how to do it. So, yeah, we, we love to hit those pain points because that's the most important thing. A lot easier to educate people when you do that. So business owners have been trying to get time back forever, right? I mean, even the Tim Ferriss's first book with the four hour work week had nothing to do with technology automation. It was all using freelancers and things like that, but it was a solution that everybody was looking for. And and now in today's version of automation has so much more to do with software and technologies and things like that. What's coming up in the in the automation world and in giving business leaders their time back? What's coming up in the future that you're excited about? To be honest with you, what I'm really, really excited about is, it, and it's, I don't like to say this out loud because people are going to jump to it right away, is the generative AI. The AI space is huge. It's huge. You have to be very smart how to use it. Um, you know, everybody's using it now. And I'll give an example. If you're on LinkedIn now, and I just saw it pop up, I didn't even know it, it was on there. But, you know, I put my post up there and it says, automate, you can automate your post to make it sound better. I was like, what? What do you mean I can make it sound better, you know? All those are are going to be a game changer. And the reason why I say that is because when people go to our website, we're about, why well, I like it so much for us, because we're about education, right? We're about educating people. So people go to our website and they look up, you know, I want to automate, you know, my inventory management. They could ask you a list of questions. They could ask you um, how how many, you know, what your inventory look like. It could, Ask you how often do you do it? How many people are doing it? Ever did it? All these different questions. Hit send. AI will come back and tell you that we can do this, this, and this. We can take that stuff from here to here to here to here to here. We're going to save you this much time based on you paying them this much. It looks like your ROI is going to be this. So without mm. even talking to someone, you already have an answer of what you can do because of AI, right? Now it's it's not. Not one hundred percent, but it gets you the it gives you enough information to move forward, right? And so for yeah. us at our company, that's going to be that's big. So that's why I like it because the educational part. Because most people don't like to get on the phone, like the or get on a call and say, "Oh, yeah, thirty minutes try to sell me. You're going to try to do this for me." And you know, I'm going to hear your spill, and at the end of the day, you're going to tell me how much it is, and you're going to you're going to call me a hundred times. I don't want that, right? In the in the in the the, the day and age we live in now, people don't want that. They don't want to be on the phone. I don't like being on the phone, to be honest with you, you know? And so having something like this, which they're used to, you know, they can do it from their phone, they can do it from, from home, from the computer, whatever the case may be, ask a few questions and get some answers for them so they can see figure out if it's worth getting on a call with somebody. Two things happen. They already have the answer that they need. We have all the questions that they asked. We walking into this process, I already know what, what they're looking to do. And that call goes a lot faster. Because there's no, yeah. we, we're not going to walk in there blinded. We already know what we're walking into. So that's why I'm excited because there's opportunity for, to help out smaller businesses um, do that. So, you know, but again, us being able to understand this, the, the levels of getting there is, is important. Is important. So even with small, even with newer businesses now, using uh, AI the right way in certain areas that can help you get those opportunities can work. Yeah. But it's all driven by, okay, if you're going to get this opportunities, you better have stuff at, uh, automated in order to take take care right. of those responsibilities, mm -hmm. opportunities. Yeah, it it's in a way leveling the playing field for smaller companies to be able to yeah, absolutely not need the multi-million dollar uh, amount of salaries on their book just to be able to do the things. Um, even a simple, I, I don't know if you've ever heard of motion AI, uh, mm -hmm. but I use it and I put my tasks in there and say how long each one's going to be and the deadline and all that. And then it automatically populates in my calendar. And so I know 1030 tomorrow, I'm supposed to do X task for 30 minutes. And yeah. it makes it so much easier because I, you don't have the to-do lists or the sticky notes on your screens or anything like that anymore. It's just AI has automatically built it right into when it knows I'm free based off of what's going on in my calendar. 
That's it. And you know, you know what's so amazing is motion AI, that you an example. That was just an idea from somebody. You know, it was an idea. Yeah. The technology was already there. Put that idea into the technology that's already out there and you get you get that app, you get that app. Yeah. Right. That's it. That's mm -hmm. it. And and so that's why AI is so is so huge. But it's very important on how to use it because a lot of businesses, mm -hmm. you know, for something like this as an app, obviously, because you know you can sell it and you can get, put it out there, people want to, you know, which is great. But as a business owner, there's certain ways that you want to use it. You don't want to, you know, because if you use it the wrong way, it always going to do is build clutter. People are going to get get blown, get shut yeah. off from it. They're like, I don't want to be part of that. So you got to go in the right way. Yeah. Your notion of education, you know, is, is is funny because we started this program and this episode with you and like you lit up. If anybody gets to see the video of this, you lit up when you were talking about how excited people were when you were bringing eggs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the same thing, like 45 years later, <laughs> when when you've got accountants saying, thank you, take my money because you solved this problem for me. And like, you still light up, but there's education as part of the, the, the thing as well. So, and the other thing that I think is really important is a lot of times, and we've got a client that does very cutting edge AI for large enterprises, you know, multinationals and that sort of thing. And it's super expensive, relatively speaking. So, a mid mid-sized business or you know a couple hundred grand or a couple hundred million down couldn't afford that it just mm -hmm. couldn't afford it and i love the fact that you even said man we want to see like can we make a difference even for the solopreneur we don't we don't we don't serve solopreneurs but from they still need it you know they like and a lot of times they want to grow beyond themselves so if you can solve that, there's this huge gulf of oh, yeah. clients and, and, and businesses out there. What is it? 27 million out there based on the S SBA that I, I saw recently was 27 million were like single member LLCs. Think about that. Yeah. Out yeah. of like 35 million or 33 million small businesses in the United States. Well, dude, you've got a pretty big... You've got a pretty big, uh, you know, field to go play in. Yeah, that's the heartbeat. I mean, those small, you know, the, the SMB market is the heartbeat of our of our of our nation, right? That's where it is. You know, that's where the that's where the dream is. That's where the that's where people start their dream and hopefully grow their dream from that point on. And when I got into into the automation space, working in the enterprise world, I knew, you know, it was too expensive, but I knew that. What goes up must come down, you know, to the to the rest of us, right? Yeah. And I want to be in the forefront of that, but th that's where the education came comes from because most people aren't educated. They, you know, people everyone we talk to, most companies somewhere along the line have the wrong software involved or using it the wrong way, right? Um, so, um, but no fault of their own, this is because of the way they were taught or the way they understood it, right? And the same thing you're talking about your client right now that's working. The enterprise world, you know, anybody that's in the enterprise world and they can right now only sell to the enterprise uh, market, they need to figure out how to bring that down to the SME and SME yeah. market. Because if they do that, if they can figure out that, um, they're going to be, it's going to be a game changer for them and so many more people moving forward. There's going to be a lot more hurdles, a lot more education, a lot more you have to do because of it. But if you can weather that storm, um, you're going to be fine because everything that the enterprise is doing right now is is going to be available or is available to the smaller businesses. You just got you just got to know how to implement it and you got to know where to find it. And if you know how to do that, then you know sky's the limit. People, that's why some of these companies grow. People, people are looking at companies that are growing that are startup companies within you know five six years. They're you know twenty million dollars in revenue, thirty million dollars in revenue. Like how in the heck are you doing that? they they found that they, they didn't they didn't hire 100 people to do it yeah <laughs> you know they didn't they didn't do that you know so there, there's always ways to do it once you don't understand that um sky's the limit and with technology nowadays it there, there's really no limit there's no limit
Uh, this this has been amazing. It's so valuable. The the amount of things you shared, I I cannot appreciate it enough. So, where can can people find you, and where can people check out the company? Yeah, well, thanks for asking. Um, I'm heavy on LinkedIn. I'm there every day. Um, starting to be there a little bit more on weekend, a little bit. I'm not as much as on weekend because of the kids and kids' activities. Um, I try to peek in there once in a while. Um, but LinkedIn is probably the best way to find me. Be honest with you. Uh, message me there. Connect with me there. Um, I, I try to be as active as I possibly can and, and, and engage with people there. So um, that's where our website is uh, simplyautomate.ai. Um, you can go on and, 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 and see what we're doing there. Um, you can opt in. You can just connect with us there and opt in. Um, you'll start seeing some newsletters come out. You'll start seeing some articles come out that um, that we're doing and the new trends happening. It's not even just about our company. It's about things that are, that are out there. You know, stories that are happening not only within our own organization, but happening around the world um, and people that you can connect with and resources you connect with. Because, you know, it may not just be automation you're looking for. You know, we might be telling a story about BGW, you know, and all of a sudden you you see what they're capable of doing and you want to connect with them because, you know, they, their story connected with you. So, um, you know, we're sharing a lot of things. We're trying to, be, you know, be more active on there, our our uh, our. our our network and our marketing list is growing Our, you know, it's growing. So it, that's a good thing, but we're starting to really do a lot more education and uh, we're, we're building a educational library. So when you go online, eventually you're going to be able to look at a certain process and see it actually being done. So it can make sense to you. So we're starting to try to implement that. So go to our website, keep updated on there, but the best way is probably LinkedIn and our profile, our, our simply automate uh, uh, LinkedIn page there as well. We post there daily. So we have an amazing team. I would say that, it, you know, uh, that I'm a bit blessed to be around some some other hardworking people and just visionaries that are just take it to a whole different level. And, um, yeah, so as this, as we grow this company, I mean, we just have some amazing people that have the same and the same passion of, of really helping people and seeing how we can make an impact on others. You also happen to have your own podcast called automation nation we do yes automation nation you know rob rob house and i were are on it and uh he's taking over now because just because of the duties like you know what there's a lot going yeah. on so i jump in there i jump in there once in a while but now we're starting to do about one a week and i think it's going to be moving up to two a week um just because we have a lot of guests a lot of things happening so it's going to be we keep it around 30 minutes um but uh you know it's, it's jam-packed with information on what's happening in the world and we asked some of the guests that we have are just uh, next level. They're they're talking about things that 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 are out, but then people don't even know are out. So, uh, yeah. but are available. So, uh, a lot of great resources. So, Automation Nation is definitely a good podcast to listen to. Well, perfect. Thanks so much for joining us. This has been great. Man, Gary, thank you guys so much for having me. I really appreciate it. So good to have you, Wilton. <laughs>